The Bellarmine Forum presents Footnote Catholic Insights from the Culture Wars Here's your host, Christopher Mannion. I'm here today with Stephen Mosier, President of the Population Research Institute, founded by the saintly and wonderful Father Paul Marx. Steve, welcome to the program. Good to be here, Chris. You've been traveling lately, and uh, one of your most interesting travels was to what we call flyover country out here on the East Coast, to the great state of Kansas. What's happening in Kansas? Well, Kansas is uh, a state now that enjoys a pro-life, pro-family legislature, and a pro-life, pro-family governor by the name of Sam Brownback, who was formerly a U.S. senator, served two terms in the U.S. Senate here in Washington before going back to Kansas. And both the governor and the legislature are interested in doing everything they can to protect life from conception to natural death. I was out there to speak in Wichita and in Kansas City to a group called Kansans for Life. And, you know, I was there 10 years ago in, in the late 90s, at more than 10 years ago now. I think their first conference was in 1998, so it's been 15 years ago. And Wichita, there were about 100 people 15 years ago, and in Kansas City, about 350. This time, there were 350 people attending a pro-life banquet in Wichita, and 1,100 people attending a pro-life banquet in Kansas City. And the head of the organization said that for the last two or three weeks, they'd been turning people away. And if they'd had a bigger venue, they would have been able to have 13 or 1,400 people at this event. And that, to me, suggests that the pro-life movement, in Kansas at least, is, is, uh, is well and growing. And that accounts for the change in the legislature. Tell me a little bit about how that has turned around. Well, the legislature in the past um, was a pro-life legislation in the past in the Kansas State Legislature was held up by a few committee chairmen who were, well, they were, they were um, uh, not pro-life and not pro-family Republicans. They were economic conservatives, but not social conservatives. Mm -hmm. That changed in 2010 in part, and then in the 2012 elections, where all of us, of course, were, were uh, disheartened by the re-election of the most pro-abortion, uh, anti-life president the, the U.S. has ever seen, uh, most of us, I included, didn't notice that in many state and local elections, um, pro-life conservatives won. And that was certainly the case in Kansas, where the legislature is now dominated by pro-life, pro-family conservatives. One of the things I did when I was in Kansas was I drove up to Topeka and testified in front of the uh, Kansas State Senate Health Committee on a bill, SB 141, that would ban sex election abortion in the state of Kansas. Mm -hmm. Now, I've been in some fairly um, testy hearings on Capitol Hill here where the Democrats uh, come forward and, and, and viciously attack anyone who makes pro-life statements or takes a pro-life position. Yes, I've seen Barbara Boxer in action with your testimony. Well, in Kansas, everyone was quite polite. There were seven people sitting on the uh, Senate Health Committee when I testified, uh, two Democrats. Uh, but at the end of the day, the vote was six to one in favor of passing the legislation to the, to the full Senate. And we now know what the Senate 
vote was. I believe the Senate vote was 37 to 2. So only two of the um, elected members of the Kansas State Senate thought to vote against this bill, which would ban sex selection abortion, which of course means in almost every case, in 99 out of 100 cases, it means the abortion of a little girl. Mm -hmm. Because when you're talking about the Asian American communities, they have a vast preference for sons over daughters. Even when you're talking about Americans uh, born here, native-born Americans, uh, the abortions that take place are generally abortions of little girls uh, in favor of sons. So when we talk about sex selection abortion, we're talking about uh, a form of discrimination against women. Uh, but this is the worst form of discrimination possible because it's a discrimination that kills. Steve, what is the prospect for the actual enforcement of this legislation once it's uh, in the law books? Well, the legislation is interesting because, first of all, there's no penalty for a woman who undergoes a sex selection abortion. The penalties are imposed on the abortionist. And the reason for that is, first of all, that many of the women who go in for abortions, for whatever reason, are there because they've been coerced into doing so by parents, by, by, by fathers, by boyfriends, by husbands, and so that they're under duress. That's particularly true in the case of sex selection abortions. We have studies that show that the Indian American women and the Chinese American mm -hmm. women who go in for sex selection abortions do so because they're told that they must have an abortion. They must abort the little girl they're carrying by their in-laws or by their husbands. In fact, there's a study done by an Indian American physician in California who showed that the Indian American women that she interviewed, she interviewed 65 Indian American women who'd had a sex selection abortion and aborted a little girl, uh, many of them had been beaten by their husbands. Uh, some of them had been denied food and water. Some of them had been locked up for days at a time. Uh, all, some of them had been actually kicked in the stomach in an effort by the in-laws and by the husbands to get them to abort a little girl because the husbands, the family, was determined that she should not give birth to a little girl. And when they went and, and talked to, when they were interviewed by uh, the Indian American physician whose name is Sunita Puri, Dr. Puri, they often began crying and expressed their frustration at not being able to protect the unborn baby girl that they were carrying, their daughter. Steve, uh, if, if I may, let's go a few time zones away to a region with which you're very familiar because sex selection abortion in China has been, uh, has prevailed for decades. What is the impact on the family and on the culture of a practice like that where in China the 30 years now uh, parents are allowed to have only one child. Tell us about that policy with specific regard to what has happened to the female population. Well the female population is shrinking. I mean you can go to parts of China where the sex ratio, uh, the ratio of, of men to women is 130 or 135 to 100. So there are in those populations presumably 30 out of every 100 little girls have been killed. Mm -hmm. um, probably in many cases by sex selection abortion, in some cases still by female infanticide being killed after birth. In Asia in general, uh, adding the number of sex selection abortions in India together with those in China, Vietnam, Korea, and some other 
Confucian-oriented cultures in Asia, you have about 160 missing girls and women who have been killed by sex selection abortion, 160 million. That's uh, roughly half the population of the United States. So you have today in China a tremendous shortage of women. You have tens of millions of young men in China growing up who will not be able to get married because their brides have been killed. Mm-hmm. There, is all, there are all kinds of consequences to this. Um, there's cross-border trafficking in women now. Girls are brought in from North Korea, from Vietnam, from northern Burma, and sold as brides mm-hmm. to Chinese men to the highest bidder. Um, you might think that because women in China are becoming scarce that their status would be going up, that they would be increasingly valuable in the eyes of society. But instead, their status seems to be going down. They're being treated more and more like a commodity to be bought and sold rather than as, as people, as persons in their own right. Uh, the bride price in China, the price you pay for a bride in China is going up, not down. But, but women, especially women from poor areas, have less and less to say about who they marry. They marry the man who can offer the most money to their family. There's also kidnapping within China, where girls will be kidnapped from a village in Sichuan and taken halfway across the continent to Shanghai and then sold again to the highest bidder, sometimes as wives and sometimes into sexual slavery in a brothel. Of course, you have rates of rape going up, rates of prostitution going up, rates of gang activity going up, criminal activity of all kind, because you've got all this unattached testosterone, these tens of millions of young men running around, without any prospects for um, getting married and, and, and having the, the civilizing influence of a woman or the stabilizing influence, the responsibility of having to support children. I think those, those, those social disorders will only get more and more serious in the future. Well, with that in mind as the future of a practice that is now only in its infancy in the United States, I presume, Kansas has passed a legislation. What's the story in the other 49 states? Well, legislation was actually passed to ban sex selection abortion in, in Illinois in, in 1975, and I believe has been passed in a couple of other states as well, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's been uh, now passed, although it hasn't been signed into law in, in the state of Arkansas. Um, Last year, the Georgia State Senate passed it, but the, the Georgia House has not. So uh, this is legislation that's been passed in, in, uh, in, in, I believe, four states now. It's under consideration in a number of other states. And it's a good thing to do because, uh, first of all, the numbers are not insignificant. We have data from the 2000 U.S. Census that shows that, that uh, tens of thousands of little girls are missing from the Asian American community. We find in those the census data mm-hmm. very skewed sex ratios. Uh, in Chinese American families, the firstborn children are roughly half girl and half boy. The secondborn children tend to be tend to have 120 boys for 100 girls. The thirdborn children, you have 150 boys for for 100 girls. So there is sex selection abortion uh, of second and third children if they, they if the first one is a girl. Uh, so the numbers are not trivial, and and really uh, even one death. Is, is too many. Well, you've described your testimony before a Senate committee in Kansas. How many people even know that this exists, much less how many people consider it a problem at all? 
Well, I, I must say we held a press conference before the, uh, the testimony, and we had the two local television stations there uh, taping the press conference. We also had the local public television station there and a couple of the local print media. So, you know, the, the effort to ban sex selection abortion in Kansas has, as part of the spinoff, made, I think, a lot of people in Kansas aware that, 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 this, that this practice happens. Um, the law is written. Now, some people object to trying to ban sex selection abortion because they say, all right, you're banning uh, a certain kind of abortion. Doesn't that mean that you're implicitly approving of other abortions? Well, the law that was passed in Kansas and the laws banning sex selection abortion that are passed in other states specifically rule that out. They say nothing in this bill is intended to approve of abortion at any point mm -hmm. in time. So, um, you know, this is, this is a ban on a, on a specific kind of abortion, but it in no way approves other abortions. It's a step in the way of banning, banning all abortions. And, you know, I think it's a good thing to do whenever you can pass a law that saves at least some lives and, secondly, contributes to a discussion of why abortion is wrong and so educates people you're moving the ball down the field with the ultimate goal of setting, setting abortion on, on, on the road to complete, complete extinction. And, you know, we have to be realistic as well because even if we overturn Roe versus Wade tomorrow, which I would like to see, it would go back to the states. Mm -hmm. Over a dozen states have abortion on demand, had abortion on demand before Roe versus Wade. And even if we banned all abortions in the United States with a human life amendment, which I would also like to see, defining life as beginning at conception and, and, and unborn life is entitled all the, the, the rights of uh, those of us who happen to be born, you would still have illegal abortions in the United States. So the goal is to reduce the number of abortions to the absolute minimum possible by using the law wherever possible. Well, this specific sex selection issue, I believe, would be uh, helped immensely by the specter you have raised of the future, given what China has been doing for 30 years. Well, we're going to go to other time zones in our next interview, but today I want to thank Steve Moser for joining us. Steve, we hope to have you back on the program. Look forward to it. This is Christopher Mannion. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Footnote, Catholic Insights from the Culture Wars. Footnote is brought to you by the Bellarmine Forum. Copyright the Bellarmine Forum. All rights reserved.